Ambrose realized that with Goldust down, he went across the other side of the ring, put Cody into the ring, and now he's trying to drag Roman Reigns back in to win this matchup. This is gonna be. What is this? What the? Oh my God! Oh my God! What is he doing? Yeah, big show! Somebody's going to please. And welcome, folks, to the October 15th, 2013 edition of WrestleRant Radio with, of course, your host, with the most, Graham GSM Matthews. Um, and, of course, you just heard there on the audio, we have new WWE Tag Team Champions after last night's electric edition of WWE Monday Night Raw. <clears throat> By the names of Cody Rhodes and Goldust, unseating Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns as the new tag team champions. And of course, an article was released on WWE.com a few short days ago, mentioning the fact that uh, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins had entered the top five longest reigning WWE tag team title reigns of all time. However, that came to an end last night on Monday Night Raw, live from St. Louis, Missouri. Cody Rhodes and Goldust, you new tag team champions. We're going to get into that here tonight in my Monday Night Raw review for October 14th, 2013. I'm going to be previewing this upcoming Sunday's TNA Bound for Glory pay-per-view. It's going to be huge. It's TNA's biggest pay-per-view of the year. I'm going to give you my in-depth predictions, preview, potential for every match in the card, and much, much more. I'm also going to be discussing the various news items in the world of wrestling. <clears throat> In the world of wrestling, everything else going on in the world of wrestling over the last week, including the update on Hulk Hogan. Was he offered more money by TNA or WWE most recently? Um, who is the latest NXT call-up up to the main roster? 
um, which shocking retirement occurred occurred in the world of wrestling this past week, and much, much more. So that's coming up later on in the show. But um, as you just heard, after you heard the audio for the tag team champion thing, that was from Raw. Obviously, that was a clip off YouTube, off WWE's official YouTube Nation uh, YouTube channel, I should say. Um, that's the all new intro. I worked on that this past weekend. And uh, speaking of such, hopefully you guys had an awesome Columbus Day weekend. I know I did here on Endicott campus. There were a lot of people that were gone for the weekend. I stayed here and I was working on this intro, um, I, I believe well into Sunday night or Monday morning. But um, nonetheless, that is the intro. I'm going to make some tweaks into it. And nonetheless, if you missed it, um, you can catch it on later on in the show. I'll probably um, close out the show while playing that as well. But yeah, nonetheless, even before I get into my Monday Night Raw review, I just want to make a few announcements. Of course, it's a bit of a hassle to get to the website in order to play EC Radio. So I created an all-new page on my website, Next Era Wrestling, where you can easily access this website. Of course, where you're listening right now. But for future reference, you guys can go to nextarawrestling.weebly.com. Slash, I'm sorry, nextyearwrestling.weebly.com slash wrestlerant dash radio. And on that page, or a few things at the top of the page, you will see listen live here. You click on that link, it will take you directly to the page of EC Radio, where you're listening to the show live right now. So make sure to do that for future reference. I think it's easier than maybe typing in Endicott Radio in Google or going through the website or blah, 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 blah. I think it's just easier doing it that way, so you can always check it out that way. And of course, this past Friday, I said on my all-new podcast, um, it's going to be featuring my in-depth interviews with the stars of the world wrestling, uh, I'm sorry, of the wrestling world. Um, The three interviews on there right now include my 10-minute interview with Jason Rumble, as I promised last week. I gave a preview of that on last week's episode of WrestleRant, so if you want to listen to that in full, a lot of great stuff. He talks about um, his feud with Mike McCarthy, the mass hole, as he calls himself. Um, his aspirations to become the new NECW New England Championship Wrestling television champion, <clears throat> as well as his dream opponent if he was to be signed by WWE or TNA. So check that out. It's up at WrestleRant.Podbean.com. In my brief interview with Jeremy Prophet that I played last week, that's up there as well, as well as my uh, exclusive interview with Tommy Dreamer from a few years back in an indie event that I attended. So go check that out. Again, after the show, go check it out, WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com. That's also on the Next Era Wrestling website as well. And, of course, to check out the interviews for that, um, there's an easier way to access what I just told you. You can um, download the official app, actually. I just... Uh, I just discovered this a few days ago. If you go to the mobile version of the website of WrestleRant.Podbean.com, if you go on Safari on your mobile device and click on the little arrow icon on the bottom of the page, it will download the official app to your homepage and you will get notifications when something new is added. So make sure to go do that. That's pretty cool of all the interviews that I have uploaded up there. And, of course, as I mentioned last week, I did my official review of the New England Championship Wrestling event, Friday Fight Night. It's going to be appearing in the Indigot Observer next Tuesday, so make sure to check that out. My photos of the event are up on my Facebook page at Graham GSM Matthews. Just simply search that. And at my website, nextarawrestling.weebly.com. So you guys can go check that out for all the photos of that event. As I said last week, the next event for NECW is November 9th, I want to say. Not really sure. The official website is necw.tv.com. So all for all the upcoming events, you go for there. Um, the next event coming to Beverly, I think, is on November 9th. I'm definitely going to try to attend that one. It looks pretty exciting. 
But uh, yeah, that's when the next event will be for NECW. And my final announcement, make sure to listen live to this show. If you're not listening live on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 Central Time, you can always catch the replay on Saturday nights <clears throat> at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 Central Time. So that's the repeat of the show on Saturday nights if you just so happen to miss it on Tuesday nights. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, let's get right down to it. Monday Night Raw live from St. Louis, Missouri this past Monday night, or last night, I should say. Um, it was a pretty damn good episode overall. I really, really enjoyed it, much more than I have recent episodes of Raw. It was, of course, emanating from the hometown of the Viper, Randy Orton, but that didn't change Randy Orton's perspective of the people in his hometown. <clears throat> He opened up the show with the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, who will be refereeing the WWE Championship match in two and a half weeks at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Um, that's going to be extremely exciting. It's pitting Daniel Bryan versus Orton for the vacant WWE title. That's going to be extremely exciting. So Shawn Michaels kicked off the show, was basically reading basically reiterating the fact that he has prior history with Triple H, with Randy Orton, with Daniel Bryan. And, of course, Daniel Bryan was a trainee at Shawn Michaels' school many moons ago. So that's the history there. That's the connection there. Um, his connection with Randy Orton, of course, I was I really, really wanted them to get into that last week. I mean, they mentioned Shawn Michaels said how he's never liked Randy Orton and whatnot. And, of course, they feuded a number of times. They feuded back in 03 when Orton – I think it was 03. It was either – yeah, I think it was either 03 or 02. I think it was 03, though. Um, that Orton was really starting to get over his legend killer. Then they feuded again um, a couple of years later in 2007 um, when Shawn Michaels was kicked in the head via a punt to the skull by Randy Orton, and he was out of action for a number of months. So they finally mentioned that. Michael Cole made note of that during Randy Orton's subsequent match with The Miz, so I'm glad they mentioned that. But um, And of course, Randy, uh, of course, Shawn Michaels and Triple H are very good friends, both in the ring and outside of the ring, so that's the obvious connection there. But yeah, nonetheless, I thought this was a very good promo. Randy Orton, I was a bit skeptical when he first came out, because this was his hometown, so he was obviously getting cheered. And he still does get cheered from time to time, um, especially since he just turned heel a little less than two months ago, and he was over as heck. Um, when he first initially turned, so it took some time for people to start booing him. He's getting a lot of strong heel reactions as of late, and he's still getting cheered from like the female fans from what it sounds like, so he really needed to turn them and kind of insult the crowd in order to generate heat from them, and he did that on Monday night. He was saying that he knows his hometown better than anybody and that he knows that they aren't that bright, so that was a great line from Orton there, but yeah, aside from that, very enjoyable exchange between Michaels and Orton. As Michaels was exiting the ring, Orton tries to hit an RKO on Michaels. Michaels reverses, tries to go for a switch in music. Orton reverses that and crawls out of the ring. So we're left with that nice little tease. We could very possibly see that at the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. Because if you can recall the last time Shawn Michaels was a referee for a match in WWE, it was at WrestleMania 28 last year. Inside, coincidentally enough, the Hell in the Cell between Triple H and The Undertaker. And in that match... Shawn Michaels almost cost The Undertaker the streak when he hit him with the switch in music, and Triple H followed up with the pedigree. So what makes you believe that we won't see some sort of controversy the same thing this time around? But yeah, but nonetheless, though, um, a lot of people are saying why Shawn Michaels didn't get involved with Daniel Bryan in this show, with Triple H on this show. Um, I want to think that it's coming at some point. He's definitely going to be a next week's show, no doubt about it. We only have one Raw left until the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. So 
either we're going to get a confrontation between Triple H and Daniel Bryan next week with Shawn Michaels as a mediator, or maybe we just get Michaels and H next week. I don't really know. I'm hoping that we get just Michaels and Bryan next week, and then we get H and <clears throat> we get H and HBK, Triple H and HBK. That's kind of confusing to say. Um, the next night on Raw, the night after Hell in the Cell pay per view, because I'm hoping that Shawn Michaels sticks around in some form or fashion after Hell in the Cell. So that being said, though, good opening to the show. We immediately transition into Randy Orton versus The Miz. The Miz immediately attacks Randy Orton, thus jump-starting this matchup. And, of course, this ties into the fact that Randy Orton attacked The Miz in his hometown of Cleveland last week. So that was a great touch. I really enjoyed that. The Miz has a lot of haters, so to speak, but I love The Miz. I've been a huge advocate of The Miz for nearly five years now. His birthday was actually last Tuesday on the debut of this show, so I felt really bad that I did not wish him a happy birthday on the show, but happy belated birthday, Miz. But nonetheless, um, this was a pretty good matchup. It was only five minutes long, could have gone longer, but Orton and Miz have very good chemistry together. They feuded over the WWE Championship briefly from November 2010 to January of 2011. I think the reigniting of that feud would be great at some point down the line, this time with the roles reversed as the Miz is a babyface, Randy Orton is a heel. Um, I would love to see that. Their mini-feud on television over the last month has been enjoyable. The Miz has yet to get a victory over Orton, but Orton shouldn't be losing matches going into his WWE title match at Hell in the Cell, so I'm completely fine with Miz taking the loss here. But it wasn't a clean loss, might I say, um, because Miz was distracted by the Wyatt family at the top of the stage, and then Orton followed up with an RKO after Miz was distracted. So Orton gets the win, Miz gets an out for losing, and the Wyatt family further their feud with the Miz. So a successful match all around. Speaking of the Wyatt family, for those unaware, it was Bray Wyatt, I believe at a live event on Saturday, um, was injured, had a leg injury. He was wrestling in a six-man tag team match against the primetime players and R-Truth, I think it was. And um, he tripped on something at ringside. He had a leg injury. He was limping pretty bad from what I heard. And then the next day, I think they had a live event somewhere, and he was okay. He was on crutches. or I, I don't think he was wrestling on that Sunday night event, actually. I think he was just at ringside. But, um, yeah, even still, he should be fine. He appeared on Monday's Raw, as I just said, and he was just sitting on the stage. So kudos to WWE for covering up the injury by just having him sit on the stage, yet still serving an effective purpose. Um, I've been loving Bray Wyatt's promos. It's good to see that he has an actual programming going right now, an actual feud going on right now with The Miz. I don't know if they're going to be facing off the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Reports are indicating that their match for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view might be pushed back until Survivor Series which I'd be okay with. Um, maybe you do it in a five-on-five -five capacity. Maybe you do it singles match. I don't really know. Um, it's not the most exciting feud in the world. I understand that, but it gives Miz something to do. Um, it gives the Wyatt family something to do. It's better than having them squash tons of funk every week. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that feud. When it eventually unfolds, the match should be fine as well between the Miz and Bray Wyatt when it eventually happens. So up next, we had Fandango versus Santino Morella. Basic filler match. Nothing more, much, much more to say about that. <clears throat> aside from the fact that if you're not watching NXT on a weekly basis, you are really missing out. And the reason why I say that is because I don't think it was last week. I think it was the week before that Fandango and Santino Morella met in mixed tag team action with Emma as Santino's partner and then Summer Rae as Fandango's partner. And they had 
tremendous chemistry in the ring. I mean, Santino and Fandango, they put together a mediocre two-minute matchup on Raw, and that's the part that stinks about the three-hour Raws. I mean, you have so much time, yet you waste it on just the dumbest things. Uh, And this was a basic filler matchup that served no purpose. Um, I'll get to Fandango and my thoughts on him in a minute. But their mixed tag team match at NXT a few weeks ago was fantastic. I genuinely laughed at most of the things that they did. Um, I find Santino funny on occasion, but on that particular episode of NXT, he was extremely entertaining, as was Fandango. So I don't understand why they were relegated to a two-minute match here on Raw by not bringing that program over to the main roster in WWE over on Raw. Help them give them you know, some more exposure, bring up Emma, um, and pair her with, uh, with Santino. I think that'd be great. But yeah, as far as Fondango goes, when this guy first came in, and I don't mean as Johnny Curtis. Um, as Johnny Curtis, I didn't really care for him at all because it was two years ago in the fourth season, I almost said second season, the fourth season of NXT. He was left standing with Brodus Clay. I heavily thought that, I strongly believe that Brodus Clay should have won that season of NXT. Johnny Curtis got it instead, started doing all these weird promos and vignettes on SmackDown promoting his debut. But uh, he eventually debuted, and he lost to Mark Henry and was never seen on the blooper end again. So, um, yeah, that was a total flop, which is a shame because, I mean, he has talent. He's a very good wrestler. He was just lacking in the character department. And then he appeared on NXT a few times, the NXT Redemption version of it, not the one that we have now, not the awesome version that we have now that uh, unfortunately does not air in the United States, but I digress. Um, Johnny Curtis eventually was repackaged into Fandango. Um, earlier this year and immediately was thrown into a feud with Jericho, which was entertaining, I might say. Um, that was very entertaining between Jericho and Fandango. Their match at Extreme Rules was very good. Their Mania match was okay. So, yeah, I enjoyed the feud. It was designed to put Fandango over, but then no more than a month later did Fandango get sidelined with a concussion and was out for approximately a month, and he has him in the same sense. He competed in the Money in the Bank ladder match in July, which was good. He didn't win, of course, thank God. Um, he interrupted The Miz at SummerSlam. They had a match at Night of Champions, and The Miz won that. So Fondango hasn't done anything of note in months, which is a shame because this guy holds victories, uh, various victories over Chris Jericho, as well as many others. So with that being said, um, he does have talent. I just think the whole dancer gimmick that he has right now has run its course. Um, there's really not much more they can do with it. I understand Vince McMahon is high on Fandango, but what much more can you do with a ballroom dancer that only faces a comedic relief in Santino every week? But um, you know, nonetheless, hopefully, I, I genuinely do. I genuinely do wish him a um, not fu- not good uh, future in his future endeavors or whatever, but um, not success. I, I do wish him success is what I'm trying to say. Um, pardon my botch there. But um, nonetheless, Fandango could make a good mid-card act, but for right now, eh, he's not really much nothing of uh, meaning, I should say. So moving on here. Oh, and speaking of such, that actually ties in right to my next matchup that I'm going to review here. Los, Los Matadores taking on 3MB. And for those keeping track at home, this is the fifth Los Matadores match that we've seen up to this point. Four of those matches have been with 3MD and 3MD, 3MB, pardon me, and three of those 3MB matches have been on Raw. So it was pretty messed up for the most part. Um, I don't really care for it at all. Los Matadores, um, I'm kind of torn on the act. I mean, I think they have potential. They're very good wrestlers, but, you know, aside from that, what lasting power do they have in WWE? I mean, the fact they faced 3MB four times up to this point, and 
I mean, granted, they've been different variations of 3MB. I mean, for example, the first time around, I believe they faced Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal twice, and then they faced McIntyre and Mahal last week, and then this week they faced McIntyre and Slater. So with that being said, um, I'm done with that. So hopefully we get no Los Matadores 3MB matches. They're probably going to be on SmackDown against this week, Los Matadores, that is. But um, I haven't read the preview for the show. I believe it's being taped as we speak right now, so I don't know what matches are scheduled for the show on Friday night. But hopefully it's not another match with 3MB because, I mean, Los Matadores, they are fun in the ring. The kids love them, the whole Torito thing. It could be like the new Hornswoggle. I'm not saying Hornswoggle's leaving the company or anything or that he has left, but Hornswoggle's been there for God knows how long, and he's really served... uh, overstate his welcome i mean i like the guy i mean i don't have anything against these people as uh, these wrestlers as people just as wrestlers their characters are just beyond worn out um but yeah as far as los Matadores go primo and epico they have a lot of potential they have a lot of talent that was seen during their wwe tag team title run last year that was uh, not handled well at all but with that being said, I of course know that they are going to be feuding with uh the real americans at some point in time um, that was evident later in the night, and I'll get to that a little later on, when Zeb Coulter teased the feud between Los Matadores and, th- and uh, not 3MB, uh, Los Matadores and the Real Americans, which it, which makes sense, because, um, you know, the whole cultural difference, and Zeb Coulter attacks those that aren't from the United States, you know, the Real Americans, so it makes sense, but then again, how long is that feud going to last, and once it's over, what are you going to do with these guys? Los Matadores is tag team champions, something I really don't want to see. I don't like the gimmick, but I do like them as people. So like I said before, I'm torn on the gimmick. Hopefully they can progress it nicely at some point in time and get them, I don't know, out of these dumb masks. I mean, it's going to run its course at some point. And I think the midget, um, the, the El Torito or whatever, it's going to get more over than they are. And it's going to become a sideshow act. That's exactly what happened with Rosa Mendez when she was their manager. She was more over than the actual wrestlers were, than Primo and Epico were. So that might serve the same purpose this time around. And more hinder, um, don't hinder gender, more hinder um, Los Matadores, and it will help them. But, I mean, I guess we'll see in due time. Moving on here, we had Triple H and Stephanie McMahon addressing the WWE Universe, more specifically the attack from Big Show last week when he knocked out Triple H. Um, so that this is a good promo, actually. Triple H and Stephanie, on and off for the last month or so, have been acting like faces. So it's been really, really weird as to why they've been doing that, and they get cheered, and Triple H coming out to his old music, the, um, the I Am The Game, or I can't even remember his music right now. What is it, What was his old music? Because I know he's, he's been coming out to King of Kings for the past two months now. Um, it's all about the game, how you play out, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, he came up to that most recently, got cheered for it, so why? Why give yourself an opportunity to get cheered when you're supposed to be a bad guy? So that being said, though, I'm very glad that Triple H and Stephanie are, um, quote-unquote, fed up and smarting, uh, are now going to be embracing their villainness, as they said on Raw this past week. So I'm very glad to see that. Um, Stephanie McMahon has been playing the role very well in the last month or so. Triple H, not so much, but I'm glad that it's going to be the bully that he actually is, because he's much more fitting as a heel. As is Stephanie. So this is a solid segment that kind of uh, cemented their respective heel turns. Up next, we had Rob Van Dam. Not Rob Van Dam, I'm sorry. Uh, the next best thing, uh, Ryback taking on Hard Truth in a Beat the Clock Challenge match. Now, for those unfamiliar with the Beat the Ch- Clock Challenge match, and it's uh, they don't have them all that often, so I don't blame you if you don't. Um, in, order, in a Beat the Clock Challenge match, a competitor 
um, takes on another competitor and is timed. So in the time that they beat that competitor, that same time is used for somebody else, and they must beat their opponent in that time, otherwise they lose a challenge. Sounds confusing, but it's much more simple than it actually is. But um, yeah, that being said, Art Ryback and Art Truth, they had a good match. I mean, they had a fine match a few weeks ago on SmackDown that I didn't really care for. Art Truth, I could not care less about. I mean, I guess it's nice that they're pushing the guy, but he was much, much more entertaining as a heel a couple, uh, a couple years ago. So I was so let down when they turned him face, and they did nothing with him at all. Ryback, he's definitely growing on me. I, of course, you know, I've been a Ryback fan, a.k.a. Skip Sheffield fan, Skip Sheffield since, uh, since his NXT days back in 2010. So for the past three years now, I've been a huge fan of this guy, and he has, been, he has become more entertaining in his duo with, in his pairing with uh, Paul Heyman. So this match was pretty good, actually. R-Truth stalled on the outside, making sure that Ryback didn't beat the time quick enough so CM Punk could win the challenge. But of course, Ryback ultimately won the match with a shell shock at a time of... Uh, it uh, escapes my mind right now, but it was five minutes and something seconds. But yeah, Ryback wins that match. Up next, we had the Real Americans taking on Tons of Funk, which was very fitting, by the way. Um, actually, before I go to that, let me get back to Ryback and R-Truth real quick. Um, I forgot to mention this. During the course of the match, people were chanting Goldberg, and I freaking hate this so much um, due to the fact that they've been chanting Goldberg for uh, um, since Ryback first came back. Um, Ryback claims it was due to a fact, due to the fact that WWE.com ran an article on him when he first came back, saying that he was similar to Goldberg, and people have been chanting the Goldberg chants ever since. And I find them to be annoying personally because I think there's no comparison between the two anymore. I mean, I could see it in the beginning because Ryback had an undefeated streak, you know, and he was very, uh, very one-dimensional in his Feed Me More stuff. But after the streak ended, there was really no comparison at all. So the fact that people are still chanting that is ridiculous. But um, even still, the interesting part and why I bring this up is the fact that when people were chanting that for the first time ever, to my knowledge, Jerry Lawler actually acknowledged the chants and, you know, of course, tied it into the fact that Goldberg has a DVD coming out, which, might I add, Goldberg had no officiation with, with, uh, whatsoever. They're having a DVD being released on Goldberg, and Goldberg had nothing to do with the project at all, which is surprising. Then again, maybe not surprising since he hasn't been on the best of terms with WWE over the last decade. But um, regardless, uh, I just found that interesting. There have been a lot of reports lately saying that people are trying to – or the, um, the powers that be, so to speak, in WWE are trying to secure a match between Goldberg and Ryback at WrestleMania. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to that. I don't think there is any truth at all to that. I would like to see the matchup simply due to the fact that there's not many other people in WWE that I want to see Goldberg face. Some people are saying, oh, why don't you do Undertaker and Goldberg at WrestleMania 30, streak versus streak? No. Undertaker should most definitely not be facing Goldberg on the grandest stage of them all, especially given the fact that uh, um, that Goldberg's been out of action for close to a decade. Um, that No, no thank you. Um, and on that same subject, too, I don't want to see Undertaker face any more quote-unquote old guys. I mean, Triple H was the exception because he still wrestles on occasion. Like, someone like The Rock, I don't want to see The Rock and The Undertaker. They had their time 10 years ago. That's a match that I would want to see in the Attitude Era, not in 2013. Stone Cold Undertaker, no, that'd be, that'd be terrible, too. Hogan Undertaker, I think someone suggested. No, I don't want to see that either. Um, what else are people saying? Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. I would want to see that out of all the 
you know, the the halftime guys versus the um, the half out of all the halftime guys that WWE has, from Triple H to The Rock to Brock Lesnar to The Undertaker to Jericho to an extent, um, Lesnar Taker would be a match that I would want to see. I would much rather see that than see Rock versus Taker or anything like that. But um, yeah, I digress. Uh, yeah, sorry. Getting back to the point at hand, Goldberg Ryback. Um, the chances of that happening at WrestleMania 30 are very slim. I won't be disappointed if it doesn't happen because I, I don't think anyone was expecting it to happen anyway. But, um, you know, even still, just thought that was worth noting. Um, but from here, we go on to the Real Americans versus Tons of Funk. Like I said before, very fitting that the Real Americans were um, featured on the Columbus Day edition of Monday Night Raw. Zeb Coulter obviously had something to say about that. Um, which is pretty comical, but even still, the match was nothing nothing noteworthy. It was pretty throwaway for the most part. The Real Americans, though, these guys have definitely grown on me. Antonio Cesaro, I've been a fan of his since last year. Jack Swagger, I'm kind of impartial on. I don't love the guy. I don't hate him. I just don't really care for him. I don't think he's main event worthy. Um, that whole program with Alberto Del Rio that earlier this year was cringeworthy, in my opinion. I dislike that um, to the full extent, but um, I, did, I didn't like that feud at all. But uh, I think he's much better utilized as a mid-card guy, upper mid-card guy. As a tag team, I guess some people say he's underrated. But, you know, even still, I like his tag team with Antonio Cesaro. These guys have such great chemistry together. And the people are behind it, too. Um, People are behind the We the People chants like crazy. Um, Should they turn them face? Maybe down the line, like they did with primetime players. Like, they serve their... uh, um, they they ran their course as heels, so they only had it. They had to turn them faces after a while, um, especially since they're so entertaining. So the real Americans, I would not be surprised if the same thing happens to them, especially if Cesaro keeps on swinging people by the feet. Um, like I said last week, his incredible feat of strength on the Great Khali when he swung him around, not only a battleground but the next night on Raw. This week it was Tensai. Um, he only swung. He actually swung him less than he did Khali last week. So some people, I saw some comments saying um, this Tensai way more than the great Kali does. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe Kali just, maybe many people just assume he's um, heavy in weight just because he's so tall, but that may not necessarily be the case. But um, yeah, even still, the Real Americans defeating tons of funk, um, really nothing of note there, aside from the fact that Cesaro is an absolute beast. Moving on to Tamina Snuka versus Brie Bella. The match itself was fine. I'm glad the Divas are finally getting some meaning again, and then we're not getting the Divas champion on every um, on an episode of Raw once a month, at least. Uh, and there's a joke in there somewhere. Um, and I'm very glad they're actually getting a story behind the Divas division right now with Brie Bella and AJ Lee and the Total Divas. Total Divas, for those unaware, is not that bad of a show, but um, and I'm glad they're kind of incorporating it into the storyline. It's not as trashy as some people believe it is, um, but even still, AJ, I fully agree with everything that she said on the show a couple months ago when she did her whole pipe bombshell. Um, that was great. One of the best things that happened in the Divas division in a long, long time. But yeah, going back to this match, Snuka versus Brie Bella. Again, nothing of note. Snuka goes over. Um, with that being said, though, I like the pairing of Tamina and AJ Lee, but this was kind of a lose-lose situation in the sense that Brie Bella, if she's going to be contending for the title again at Hell in a Cell, what was the point of having her lose here to Tamina? Tamina, I don't think she should be losing matches either since she just recently come back, just came back from, uh, I think it was injury or maybe filming a movie or something like that. Um, but yeah, she shouldn't be losing matches, so this was... 
in a sense, a lose-lose situation. And I think AJ should have interfered to give Brie Bella the disqualification victory, but I won't complain about AJ getting the upper hand over Brie Bella. Now, a report was issued, I think it was last night after Raw went off the air, that the plan as of now is to have a tag team match with the Bella Twins against, or with the Bella Twins taking on AJ and Tamina and mixed, not mixed, but just a regular tag team match at Hell in a Cell. I wouldn't mind that. The championship wouldn't be on the line, which would be odd. Um, so I don't know why they would be building to a tag team match. But whatever gets the Divas on a show, whatever gets the Divas uh, an actual storyline, then I'm all for it. So no complaints there. Moving on to CM Punk versus Curtis Axel. This is another beat-the-clock challenge match. Intercontinental Championship was not on the line here. Um, we had CM Punk going over Curtis Axel. A pretty good matchup. Again, he beat him in less than five minutes, so it doesn't exactly make the IC champion look good. But with that being said, though, a lot of people like to bash on Axel, saying that they devalued the Intercontinental Championship. May I bring you back five, six months ago when everyone was complaining, myself included? So I'm not, I'm not, uh, um, I'm not being, you know, prejudiced just towards smart, so to speak. But you know, I was doing this too. Everyone was complaining about how terribly booked a Curtis Axel, not Curtis Axel, I'm sorry, Wade Barrett was being booked as Intercontinental Champion. Don't get me wrong, I love me some Wade Barrett, but the fact that he was IC champion for close to six months and he maybe won, um, I think he emerged victorious maybe twice, and I think both of those were title matches. He only emerged victorious when the title was on the line. He lost to the likes of R-Truth. He lost to the likes of Santino. He lost to Bo Dallas, of all people. When you lose to Bo Dallas, you know your career is basically over. And it's funny to note, though, that Barrett hasn't been seen on TV since. Um, he was on TV uh, a few times after he dropped the IC title in June. He was on TV a few times before SummerSlam in a brief feud with Daniel Bryan. But aside from that, he hasn't been on TV at all. So, you know, with that in mind, um, it just goes to show that he was a far worse IC champion than Axel has been. Axel has actually picked up victories um, on pay-per-view over the likes of R-Truth, of Chris Jericho, John Cena, Triple H. So this guy, he's associated with Paul Heyman. So I think he's been a pretty successful, successful intercontinental champion, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, again, that's just my opinion. But, you know, going back to this matchup, Punk versus Axel, IC title not on the line. Punk beats the clock, is able to pick the stipulation for his Hell in a Cell match with Ryback at the pay-per-view of the same name, Hell in a Cell. And he agrees to Paul Heyman's stipulation. He says, I like your idea, Paul. I want to do a handicap match. At Hell in the Cell, it's going to be Paul Heyman and Ryback against CM Punk at the pending pay-per-view, but it's going to be inside Hell in a Cell. Um, that was my best CM Punk impersonation there. I don't, I don't even know if that was a CM Punk impersonation, but I digress. Um, yeah, CM Punk um, versus Ryback and Paul Heyman inside a cell at Hell in the Cell, I love it. I'm all for it. Um, if this is to blow off the feud between Ryback and Punk and Axel and Heyman and blah, 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 then I'm fine with it. I've loved this feud since it started. It was initially started four months ago, believe it or not, at the Payback pay-per-view when Punk first came back and he um, told Heyman that his services as a manager were no longer required. And it's kind of jump-started since there, from there. Um, they had Brock Lesnar attack Punk and the rest is history. So I've been enjoying this feud up to this point. This is probably the best feud of 2013 by far. Um, no doubt about that. So with that in mind, though, it is time for it to end. I wouldn't mind if it went on to Survivor Series, and I don't think – I wouldn't um, write that out. 
I think that might be in the question that we might see CM Punk in some capacity facing maybe the Heyman guys at Survivor Series and perhaps a five-on-five Survivor Series elimination match. I wouldn't be surprised to see that, and I wouldn't be opposed to it either. But um, I do like the idea of blowing off the feud inside Hell in a Cell and makes the Cell feel meaningful, unlike last year. Because if you can recall, it was a year ago at Hell in a Cell that CM Punk also faced Ryback inside the Cell for the WWE title. And that was where Ryback suffered his first singles loss. And it's he's been on a downward spiral ever since. But um, even still, though, I think that's good storytelling. Not really come full circle, but maybe a 180, so to speak, since Punk is now the face. Ryback's the heel. They've kind of come, not full circle, but done a 180 and have the roles reversed this time around. So I like the storytelling here. And it's fitting that it's at the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view inside the cell. So GSM gives a thumbs up for that one. And up next, we had the World Heavyweight Champion, Alberto Del Rio, taking on Daniel Bryant in a non-title matchup. Pretty good matchup for the most part. The commercial break kind of took away from it. But even if it didn't, even if the commercial break wasn't there, the match wasn't fantastic to the point where I want to see a rematch next week. I like Daniel Bryan. I like Del Rio. I don't know. There was just something about this matchup that didn't really fit for me. I don't know. Um, it wasn't really exciting towards the end. I mean, a lot of the uh, they do have good chemistry with one another, and it did feel relatively fresh because we haven't seen Daniel Bryan and Del Rio lock it up in um, quite a while since maybe I believe 2011. I want to say maybe last year. I'm not sure, but um, they put it together a pretty good matchup. But and ended on a countout after Daniel Bryan walked out of the ring to go save Brie Bella from an attack from Daniel um, Randy Orton in the in the trainer's room, and this is weird too. Um, so. For those of you that didn't catch it, Brian's in the ring with Del Rio fighting him in this match. And then you see Randy Orton pop up on the Titantron, which he's done quite a bit because if you can recall, they did the same thing with Jeff Hardy a couple of years ago when he punted Matt. Um, he, he punted uh, Jeff's brother Matt in the head backstage when Jeff was still in the ring. Um, so I think Orton likes to do that. When people are in the ring, that's when he kind of strikes. That's what a Viper does. But anyway, Orton appears on the Titantron, goes after Brie Bella and Nikki Bella in the trainer's room. And you hear them screaming and whatnot. It gets a little graphic. I mean, from what it sounds like, um, a lot of people assume a lot of different things depending on who you are. But anyway, Daniel Bryan gets back there, and he opens up the door, and they're fine. They, they hadn't even moved. They were still in the same place. They're still screaming when Daniel Bryan opens up the door, and then Orton is standing behind the door. Uh, Orton's standing behind the door, and he attacks Bryan from behind. And Bryan goes, where is he? And she goes, I don't know. How does she not know that Randy Orton's standing behind the door? That was kind of stupid. Unless they're trying to build to Brie Bella aligning herself with Randy Orton, which wouldn't make any sense since Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella are an item in real life. So I don't want to see that. And for those saying that maybe Nikki Bella will align herself with Randy Orton, I don't want to see that either because from those of you that watch Total Divas, Nikki Bella is in a relationship with John Cena. So that wouldn't make any sense either. So I don't know what the whole point of that was, but Orton getting the upper hand on Brian, I like that. That was fine. Um, thumbs up for me for that. So good way to further their feud going into uh, Hell in a Cell next Sunday. And, of course, the main event, as I said before, we kicked off the show with the audio. Cody Rhodes and Goldust um, being crowned the new WWE Tag Team Champions after defeating Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. Like I said before, WWE.com ran an article on Saturday saying that Rollins and Reigns are now in the top five longest WWE Tag Team title reigns of all time, amongst the likes of John Morrison and The Miz, Carlito and Primo, Paul London and the Brian Kendrick. Or I think it was just Brian Kendrick at the time. He wasn't the Brian Kendrick until a couple years later. Um, and Team Hell No. 
So congratulations to them on that. And they were able to break the streak um, just in time before they lost his titles two days later. Um, but yeah, this is a very good matchup. Not as good as a battleground matchup between the two teams, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. But um, yeah, I thought it was good effort from both teams. Um, very fitting. I saw this is this is. I'm not taking credit for this statement. I saw someone else write it in a comment on a news website. But um, I thought it was very fitting that the Shield lost their tag team titles in the same exact city that they won them in. Because remember, it was back at Extreme Rules in May, four months ago, not even five months ago, that Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns defeated Team Hell No to become the WWE tag team titles in St. Louis. Last night's show, live from St. Louis. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I would have wanted it to build out a little longer until the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. That's where I wanted to see the title change. And from what I read, that's where it was supposed to happen. But Vince McMahon changed his mind at the last second and wanted the title change to happen on Raw instead. I'm fine with it. That's that's okay. Um, And uh, I would have liked it if they hyped the match a little more in advance. I mean, they hyped it throughout the night. um, And they hyped it earlier on in the day, I think maybe half an hour, hour tops before Raw went live. They didn't hype it a week in advance or over the weekend. They hyped it about an hour before Raw went live. So that wasn't too good. They could have hyped it out a week in advance. In my personal opinion, I think it could have uh, made the match feel more meaningful. But even still, the tag team titles, I can't remember the last time the titles were defended in the main event of Monday Night Raw. Um, so that was very surprising and very uh, very pleasing as well. So we have new tag team champions, Goldust and Cody Rhodes. He was hoping that the Usos, who won a number one contenders match, to be crowned the number one contenders to the tag team titles three or four weeks ago, get their title shot sooner rather than later. Um, from what's being planned at the moment, we're going to get a triple threat tag team title match at Hell in a Cell with the Usos taking on the Shield, taking on Rhodes and Goldust, which would be fantastic. I would love to see that. Um, if that was the plan all along, then um, I guess it makes sense. Then if the Shield went over here, then why would Rhodes and Goldust um, be in contention for the titles a couple of days later at Hell in a Cell? So that wouldn't have made any sense. So I guess Rhodes and Goldust winning the titles here made the most sense since S.H.I.E.L.D. Invoked their, invoked their rematch clause at Hell in a Cell, and then the Usos are obviously the number one contenders after winning their match a few weeks ago. So with that being said, yeah, that closed at Raw. Overall, I thought Raw was pretty good this week, um, better than last week and most of what we saw in September. Um, but Hell in a Cell, though, unlike Night of Champions and unlike Battleground, they're um, doing a very good job of building the show up. They're making it feel important. They're stacking the show with a lot of high-profile matches um, with the likes of Orton, as I said before, Orton versus Bryan for the vacant WWE title with Shawn Michaels, of all people, as a special guest referee inside the Hell in a Cell structure. We have Ryback versus Paul Heyman and um, I'm sorry, we have Ryback and Paul Heyman versus CM Punk in a handicap match inside the cell. And we also have the World Heavyweight Championship, Alberto Del Rio versus John Cena, which isn't inside the cell, and I'm glad it isn't. Um, but yeah, I'm very glad um, with the Hell in a Cell card thus far. Hopefully they can build up the undercard in the next few days. I don't think they confirm any matches on SmackDown. Maybe they will. I don't know. Maybe they will on WWE.com, but they have a um, big week ahead of them next week. If they want to get the big buy rates out of Hell in a Cell, hopefully they can by hyping it up to be a big event next week because I know the buy rate for Hell in a Cell last year was not all too great. And I, I'm not surprised because last year's Hell in a Cell, last year's Hell in a Cell show um, it was pretty good in my opinion, but a lot of people thought it it sucked due to the fact that uh, the crowd was just bad. The crowd, I mean, it was flat out terrible. 
Um, they were in Atlanta. And no, nothing against Atlanta. Maybe they were poorly mic'd. Maybe something happened earlier that day that affected their, uh, their excitement for the show. I don't know. But uh, the show itself was pretty good, and they just killed it. They just killed it for me. Um, but hopefully this year's event can be better. So, yeah, with all that being said, we're going to move on to my TNA Bound for Glory preview. Of course, TNA's biggest pay-per-view of the year this upcoming Sunday. The location it escapes my mind at the moment. I can't even remember. I'm sorry. I think there's maybe – oh, the San Diego. San Diego, that's where it's going to be. Um, so, yeah, for those attending, have a fun time. For those not, hopefully you enjoyed the show. If you're going to be tuning in live, I strongly suggest you do. Um, this card is looking fantastic. On the pre-show, we have Chavo Guerrero and Hernandez taking on Bad Influence, Joseph Park and Eric Young, and the Bromance in a four-team gauntlet match where the winners will receive a TNA World Tag Team title match later on in the show. Kind of reminiscent of the same exact match that WWE did at their Night of Champions pay-per-view, so bad timing for TNA to be doing the same exact thing. And I've seen more than enough of gauntlet matches. I think I've seen enough gauntlet matches to last me for the next decade. Um, that's how sick I am of these matches. But, um, you know, even still, I think it has the potential to be a good match. Chavo and Hernandez, I am so beyond sick of. These guys just need to go away. I would be extremely, extremely angered if they were to win this matchup. <clears throat> so hopefully they don't. But um, I would not be surprised if they did in order to tease the tension between the two. Um, they they teased they tease Chavo's heel turn um, a couple weeks ago on Impact, but and then they kind of dropped it. They they haven't been on, featured on television since. I think they're going to be on TV this week, but you know even still, consistency is uh, is key in TNA, which it, it's not a priority, but it should be key. Um, the other team, Bad Influence. I love Bad Influence. Hopefully they win this matchup and they go on to to defeat James Storm and Crimson. Not Crimson. What's his name? Gunner for the tag team titles. Eric Young and Joseph Park, they are actually fun as a tag team. I actually like them. I'm not too high on Eric Young. Same thing with Joseph Park. I think he's very entertaining, but at times I think the the act itself has kind of grown uh, tiresome over the last year. But um, for those of you subscribed to the TNA uh, channel on YouTube, they have a lot of uh, series of videos involving Park and Young on the road to Bound for Glory, in which is a very entertaining series, so I strongly suggest checking it out. Um, it's a fun few minutes if you have the time to check it out. And Bromance, just, no, they can't win this match. They just, oh, my God, they, these guys bore me to tears. They are a disgrace. Uh, no, hopefully they don't win. So my official prediction for this matchup is Bad Influence taking home the victory and later on the tag team titles because I love Storm, Gunner, couldn't care less about. They have zero chemistry as a team, so they don't deserve to be tag team champions. So Bad Influence are leaving, at, are leaving BFG as the new tag team champions. And that is my official prediction for that one. Up next, triple threat match for the Knockouts Championship. It's the defending champion ODB taking on Gail Kim and Brooke. Yes, just Brooke, not Miss Tessmacher, not Tessmacher, not Brooke Tessmacher, just Brooke. So for this one, another match that I do not care at all about. The Knockouts division at this point is comical. They literally only have six women. ODB, Gail Kim, um, Brooke, Velvet Sky, and Lady Tapa. I think that's it. That's five women. Oh, my God. Unless they resign Mickey James, but by this point, I, I hope she... Oh, I mean, I really hope she does resign, but I don't know. I'd much rather see in WWE as a heel. I mean, she was very entertaining in TNA as a heel, but I don't know. By this point, I think that ship has sailed, unfortunately. I think they would have signed her a long time ago, um, immediately after her contract expired, if they really wanted her to stick around. She was the 
saving grace of the division before it ultimately died. As for this matchup, ODB versus Kim versus Brooke. Again, couldn't care less who wins. ODB just won the title a month ago, so it would be asinine to have her lose the title here. So ODB retains. Up next, Bobby Roode versus Kurt Angle. Very interesting matchup. These two met at the 2011 main event of Bound for Glory. I did not like the build at all for that matchup. I was very down on Bobby Roode as a babyface, but he's been doing wonders as a heel over the last two years. And him and Angle is a feud that I really wanted to see during Roode's long tenure as TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Unfortunately, we were unable to see that feud uh, with Angle as the face this time around and Bobby Roode as a heel. This time, though, it's happening at BFG. Not a lot of build for the matchup, but they did a nice job of having Angle come back this past week on Impact. Um, Angle looked great. He's been gone for two months and rehab. He looks better than ever. Hopefully, he is the same way mentally as he is physically. Bobby Roode is fantastic. His uh, ego Hall of Fame induction last week with the likes of Daniels and Kazarian was just laugh out loud funny. Those guys are one of the most entertaining acts in all of wrestling right now. Love those guys. But uh, Roode versus Angle, BFG, got to go with Angle here. You can't have this guy's going into the TNA Hall of Fame um, that same night. So it'd be. Um, it would be strange to have him lose this match, especially since uh, <clears throat> he's on his way back, too. This will be his first match in well over two months. <coughs> Excuse me. But up next, we have Manic versus Jeff Hardy versus Austin Aries versus Chris Sabin versus Samoa Joe in an All-Stars Ultimate X match for the X Division Championship. Finally, finally, we have emphasis on the X Division which hasn't been the case in years. I know TNA likes to do this whole thing every summer, like, hey, we have the new X Division, we got the new emphasis on this, the title means something, and they give it to someone no one cares about, do nothing with the division, and then eventually fades out before TNA tries to quote-unquote resurrect it. But um, hopefully this time it is here to stay, because look at this card. I mean, I, I don't like Manic at all, couldn't care less about the guy. But the other four competitors are former World Heavyweight Champions competing for the X Division title. We've got Hardy, Aries, Saban, and Joe. This is a dream match. Um, hopefully Manic doesn't retain here. He's been the champion for three months. I really don't want to see him win here. Um, Jeff Hardy, that'd be weird if he was X-Division champion, especially given the fact that him and Aries were headlining last year's show for the World Heavyweight title. Then it's kind of a step down for him to be winning the X-Division title a year later. But I'd be fine with it. If they went with it, I, whatever. Jeff Hardy, so to actually... Um, um, just to mention, you know, Hardy here. So speaking of such, um, his band will be performing at Bound for Glory to debut a new entrance theme for the Charismatic Enigma. I'm looking forward to that, actually. A lot of people do not like Hardy's music. I do, for one, actually. His entrance themes over the past few years, with the exception of Modest, have been very good, in my opinion. He debuted Another Me in 2011. Or was that? No, with, at 2010's Bound for Glory, he debuted Another Me as a theme. Um, resurrected in 2011. Similar creatures last year and this year. Um, I forgot the title of the song, but I'm looking forward to seeing what it is. And the band thing should be cool. I wouldn't be surprised if this match kicks off the show. I hope it doesn't because it's so stacked. It should be one of the main event matches. But um, even still, Saban, I wouldn't be surprised if he won since him and Manic are kind of feuding. Joe was kind of just randomly thrown in here since the main event mafia kind of dissolved. They had no other place for him, so they just kind of you know kept him there. So they just kind of throw him in the matchup to get him on the show. Austin Aries... That'd be awesome if he won this match. Austin and Saban, I wanted to see a BFG this year, so I'm glad we're getting that in some capacity. But of all the people in the matchup, got to go Saban here. He makes the most sense to be going back to the X Division since he was not fit um, for the World Heavyweight title picture, unfortunately. His reign was very short-lived. 
Up next, we have Magnus versus Sting. Now, I am looking forward to this match more than others. The main event Mafia was kind of a flop. I mean, I liked it, but Angle had to go to rehab. Uh, Rampage Jackson was pulled off television along with Tito Ortiz, which was a joke, an absolute glorified joke. I mean, I like UFC as much as the next guy, but having those guys on television do absolutely nothing, squat, zip, they didn't do squat on, they didn't do anything. On, the, on TNA, they did nothing to benefit the product at all. So it was a complete waste of time. But, um, you know, even still, the main event mafia was kind of a flop since their whole um, motto was to get the title off of Bully Ray and to dissolve Aces and Aces. And Aces and Aces is kind of folding in of itself. So they didn't do that. They, they maybe got rid of one or two members themselves. But Aces and Aces was kind of self-destructing from the beginning. And then their other goal, to take the title off of Bully Ray, that's what Styles is doing at BFG, not them. Styles isn't a part of Main Event Mafia. He was presumed to be a couple months ago, but he's not, officially at least. So I guess that's dead. But I love Magnus, though. I think he has a lot of potential as a face, not as a heel. I mean, he makes a good heel, but he, he should not at all be a heel. Um, as a face, I think he's very, very much over with the TNA audience. And uh, he gets building reactions, his match with Styles from a couple months ago, from last month at the, uh, <clears throat> at, what was it called, the No Surrender pay-per-view in the finals of the BFG series. That was fantastic stuff. The crowd was very much behind him, and I would have had no problem at all with him going over and eventually winning the world title BFG. So him versus Sting makes sense from a storyline standpoint. He wants to get the respect, and hopefully it's done in a way that it's face versus face, and it stays that way. We don't have Magnus turning on Sting down the line and all that garbage because Sting is going to go over anyway. I respect the heck out of Sting, but this guy's got to go. This guy has got to go. He's 50, <coughs> excuse me, 53 years old maybe, 52, I don't know, but this guy's over 50 years old. Why is this guy still in your company if he's not doing anything to benefit TNA at all? This guy can't compete for the world title, thank God. But he should just get his one-off run in WWE and just go away, like Hogan. And he's thankfully not under contract, but we'll get under that in a little bit. But yeah, Magnus versus Sting should be a solid matchup. I've got Magnus going over here, but I would not be surprised if Sting goes over, and I really hope he doesn't, because what's the whole point? The whole point is to make Magnus look legitimate in the eyes of the TNA fans. So have Magnus go over clean, don't cheat. Don't turn him heel that way. If he's going to win, have him go over clean and put him over in a big way as a future star of Impact Wrestling and future World Heavyweight Champion. Don't turn him heel. Don't turn Sting heel. That'd be weird. So just keep it face versus face. End the feud after BFG, and we'll move on from there. Main event time. Bully Ray versus AJ Styles for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Um, I'm liking this feud. I like the fact they acknowledge the fact that they feuded a couple years ago in that last man standing match at Slammiversary. That was an excellent match, one of the best of the year for TNA in 2011. And um, I, the fact why I love it is because in that feud, Bully Ray got the win clean. In that last man standing match at Slammiversary 2011, he won clean. So it kind of left an open-ended conclusion to this feud, allowing it to continue at some point in time for Styles to get his win back over Bully Ray. That's why I love this feud so much. But, um, you know, nonetheless, though, um, I'm really, really happy with this feud. AJ Styles is my full-on pick to win the World Heavyweight Championship <coughs> in the main event of BFG this Sunday. Very high on AJ Styles. Love his whole lone wolf gimmick. I'm sorry, lone wolf gimmick. Bully Ray, he's fantastic as well. But hopefully either, I mean, hopefully it's just a clean finish and we have no shenanigans in the main event like 
God forbid Dixie Carter comes in or Hulk Hogan or something garbage like that. Oh, my God. Um, the reason why I loved last year's BFG so much was because there were no shenanigans at all. Storm versus Rude was fantastic. No shenanigans, no interference. If you don't count Mo, King Mo, where, where did that, what the heck happened to that guy? Um, we, in the main event, we had GF already in Austin Aries. No main event interference, <coughs> which has become the norm for TNA's main events in the last five years. Because we've had interference in the BFG main event in 08. Was it um, 09, I think? No, not 09. 09, I think, was straightforward pretty much, too. Um, 2010, we had interference. 2011, we had interference. Um, so hopefully we don't have a screwy finish on Sunday. Status go over clean. Let it end there. You know, just have Bully Ray. Maybe have a rematch next month. But Styles, your new TNA World Heavyweight Champion after Sunday. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view. It looks like a pretty strong pay-per-view on paper. Um, it has a lot of potential to be great, to be a very, very good pay-per-view. So order it or stream it online, whatever fits you best. Uh, I don't know what your economic issues are right now, but definitely watch this pay-per-view, whether on replay, live, whatever. It's going to be a good pay-per-view, so make sure to tune in live this Sunday. Um, it's going to be from San Diego, TNA Impact Wrestling, Bound for Glory. So uh, to close out the show, just a few news items. I have a whole list of stuff, um, but I'm not going to run down each and every one of them. Um, I'll just briefly mention them. Xavier Woods, he was mentioned this past week on Raw. Rumored to be called up to WWE's main roster pretty soon. Looking forward to that. I've been very high on him for many years now since he left, since he left TNA as Consequences Creed. So um, hopefully he gets called up pretty soon and as part of this big show firing angle. Low-key, a.k.a. Caval from WWE. For those of you that only know him from his WWE tenure. Um, retired from pro wrestling, I guess, just recently. From what I've heard, though, he's not that creative guy outside of the ring, so I don't know how many people are actually saddened by this. But I guess it's due to the fact that uh, All Japan New Pro Wrestling, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not really sure, they were the ones that did not um, pay Caval, or they, he didn't, they didn't live up to their contract negotiations or obligations, something like that, I don't know. But, you know, regardless, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, he's gone from he's gone from wrestling, whatever. Um, I re- don't really follow his work. It's a shame to see him go, but he left WWE on his own terms when he should have stayed. But whatever. Magnus and Mickey James are no longer dating. I have no idea why Magnus would let James go. But um, you know, even still, I guess Mickey James leaving TNA. They're not going to be in the same road anymore. They're not going to be traveling on the road anymore. So I guess it makes sense. But you know, even still, congratulations to see them both happy and you know end the relationship on a um, neutral note and no negativity like we usually see in today's social networking. Like we um, we see with most wrestling relationships or just relationships and culture as a whole. So thankfully, those two are just partially broken up. Taryn Terrell as uh, recently, uh, you know, Tiffany from WWE. Taryn Terrell is her current TNA ring name, so I'll just call her that. Recently, recently announced her pregnancy, which had come as a surprise to no one since she, uh, 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 she's been gone from TNA television for months now, so that should really not be any surprise, and they've and this has been reported for a long time. But congratulations to her on being pregnant and the upcoming child. Um, there's backstage heat on Eva Marie, believe it or not. Um I don't know why that is. Um, I guess they're not high on her wrestling abilities. They set her up to fail, so to speak. I guess that's what it said in the report. I don't care about that. Moving on. CM Punk is reportedly injured, dealing with nagging injuries. This happens all the time. They're saying that he might be taking time off in the near future. Um, After Survivor Series, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. Maybe he comes back to win the Royal Rumble. I would love to see that, actually. Punk and Bryan WrestleMania for the WWE title? Yes, please. 
Michael Hayes, I think, was suspended last week. I, I don't know if I touched on that last week, but Michael Hayes was reportedly suspended for, from WWE, not according to WWE, but from what reports say, he offered a drink to Rosa Mendez, who most recently came back from rehab, who had a drinking problem, so not smart on uh, Hayes's, on uh, the half of Hayes. On the behalf of Hayes, if it was indeed true. But WWE has sent out a report saying that he's out on personal, dealing with personal issues right now. So it's kind of unclear as to what those issues are actually, uh, actually are. But, uh, you know, even still, we'll see in due time. Damian Sand now is rumored to be turning face pretty soon. Not too sure how I would feel about that. I don't want to see him feud with Del Rio. I think that is a very, I mean, it has the potential to be good, but just boring. I like Del Rio. I like Sandow. Just those two together is just not an appealing feud, in my opinion. And finally, the big news of the week. Hulk Hogan, is he signing with WWE or TNA? Uh, the million-dollar question. TNA reportedly offered him more money than WWE did. Um, it said in the report that WWE offers the same amount of money for Rock and Brock Lesnar for one match in WWE as the same amount of money that TNA offers for Hulk Hogan for one year. Think about that for a second. Put that in perspective. I mean, who offers somebody that much money? I mean, Hulk Hogan, yes, he was a draw 30 years ago. I mean, what does this guy have to offer to TNA? I've gone off on this millions of other times on uh, numerous platforms and my articles on my past shows. I'll say it here. Hulk Hogan offers nothing to TNA at all. This guy's been with them for over three years, almost four years. He hasn't made a dent in the ratings at all. The first day that he was there... January 4th, 2010. He made a dent in the ratings. It got their highest rating ever, but it hasn't been that high since. So why, what is the point of keeping him around? I was fine with the way that he went out a couple weeks ago on Impact, but I don't know. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. Why? Do you, why, do you, why does TNA keep him around? He serves no purpose. Absolutely no purpose. Just let him go. I would love to see him back in WWE, not in a full-time capacity. Maybe that's why WWE didn't pay him a crap load of money, and that's understandable. Because why would you pay someone that much money? Because Rock and Lesnar are actually working matches. I have no desire to see Hogan back in the ring. Him and Cena, that's people, some people's fantasy. That's not happening, people. He can't even walk to the ring, much less wrestle a match. So that's not happening. I would love to see him back in uh, WWE at WrestleMania with uh, 30th year, 30th anniversary of WrestleMania. That'd be cool. You know, him interrupting the real Americans, but, you know, aside from that, I really have no desire to see him wrestle in WWE, or TNA for that matter. Um, you know, as a full, as a, on a legend basis, on a legend contract in WWE, I'd be fine with that, making an appearance every once in a while, but TNA is just wasting their money. With the, with the state that they're currently in, <coughs> the state that they're currently in financially, there is absolutely no reason why they should be paying this guy that much money. Just an absolute waste. But um, yeah, that closes out this week's edition of Wrestle Rant Radio with your host, Graham GSM Matthews. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Really do appreciate it. Like I said before, we're live every Tuesday night at uh, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 Central Time, right here on EC Radio. Like I said before, for next week, if you want to access the, this show more easily, maybe you already have a bookmark. I don't know. But if you don't, you can just go to nextyearwrestling.weebly.com, my official website, slash WrestleRant-Radio. Um, there is a listen live button there. It takes you directly to this website. So I think that's just an easier way to access the site. Like I said before, my interviews with Tommy Dreamer, Jason Rumble, and Jeremy Prophet are now up at WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com in full. A lot of cool stuff over there. And download the official app by going to your mobile device 
um, russellrant.podbean.com. On your mobile device, we have an official app now, and that's pretty cool. Um, just download. You have to go use Safari, though. You can't use Chrome. It has to be Safari. And press a little arrow icon, and you can download it to your home screen and get notifications when a new podcast is added. Um, like I said before, nextyearwrestling.weebly.com, where all my photos, articles, additional thoughts in the wrestling world are all located, so check that out. And uh, the only social networking site I'm on right now is Facebook, so you guys can check out my official YouTube, not YouTube page. Um, you can check out YouTube too, Teddy DiBiase Prices 9. But um, Facebook, my official Facebook page is Graham Jason Matthews. Just give it a like. All new updates, stories, articles, thoughts in the wrestling world, all that jazz. So like I said before, if you're not listening to this live, um, we do air a repeat of Russell Rant Radio on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 Central Time. So make sure to check that out. And uh, hope you guys be well over the next week, and we'll see you next week.